At T-Mobile, you don't have to choose between a great network and the best prices. We give you both. Switch your family of three or more from AT&T or Verizon to T-Mobile Essentials, and you'll save up to 50% off your current service and smartphones. Bring your current phones to T-Mobile, and we'll pay them off up to $450 each. Visit T-Mobile.com to find out how to save up to 50%. Up to $450 via virtual prepaid card for eligible device payoff. Allow 15 days. Savings may vary. See T-Mobile.com. At T-Mobile, you don't have to choose between a great network and the best prices. We give you both. Switch your family of three or more from AT&T or Verizon to T-Mobile Essentials, and you'll save up to 50% off your current service and smartphones. Bring your current phones to T-Mobile, and we'll pay them off up to $450 each. Visit T-Mobile.com to find out how to save up to 50%. Up to $450 via virtual prepaid card for eligible device payoff. Allow 15 days. Savings may vary. See T-Mobile.com. Previously on the Devil's Teeth podcast. This woman had found an arm on the lawn of her, the apartment complex where she lived. Basically all of us were dispatched to that area up there and we tried to coordinate a foot search. Don Schwert called out over the radio that he found a body. The animals had eaten most of the flesh off her feet all around her head. Dominic Olivia came up there. His comment was, So in the last episode, we heard from a dentist who was called in to identify the remains of Jeanette De Palma. He told me that tooth by tooth, he compared her dental records to the, uh, the mandible of the skull that was handed to him, and he was able to make a positive identification. Now, throughout the course of that interview... At T-Mobile, you don't have to choose between a great network and the best prices. We give you both. Switch your family of three or more from AT&T or Verizon to T-Mobile Essentials, and you'll save up to 50% off your current service and smartphones. Bring your current phones to T-Mobile, and we'll pay them off up to $450 each. Visit T-Mobile.com to find out how to save up to 50%. Up to $450 via virtual prepaid card for eligible device payoff. Allow 15 days. Savings may vary. See T-Mobile.com. As we heard, he was adamant that I do not identify him by name and that he is still very afraid of Jeanette's family. And in this episode, we are going to discuss the root of his fears because they're shared by a lot of people. Not just fear of Jeanette's family, but fear of repercussions from a multitude of peoples and organizations. How did a missing persons case like this generate this kind of anxiety and panic and terror? Well, it all goes back to some rumblings among the investigators that some strange objects may have been found around the body. When Mark Moran and I spoke with Don Schwert, he had this to say about the scene around Jeanette's body. There was uh, like a cross over her head, and then there was some stones around the top of her head, like a semicircle. And somebody come up with the idea that it might have been witchcraft, and that took off rumors in the town. Now, a statement like that holds a lot of depth, because, after all, this is the officer that discovered Jeanette's body and was around it for a significant period of time. But, like many things with this case, it's not that cut and dry. When we asked Ed Kish what he recalled being found around the body, he had this to say. You want to know about the 
program, don't you? <laughs> well, I didn't bring it up, but if you if you got something to say about it, I'd be happy to hear it. Yeah. Now, there was some talk at the scene of where the body was found that there were trees or there were crosses or there, there were trees that were made into crosses. I got to tell you, that is totally unfounded. If at anything, if you have one tree standing up and another tree dies and falls against another, is it possible if you look at it that you could see something that nobody else sees? That's a possibility. So that there was nothing ever to indicate there that witchcraft, the occult, or anything like that would have been involved. Right. Just a quick recap, uh, Detective Howard Thompson was one of the first detectives on the scene that day, and he was the one who, uh, according to Ed Kish, was taking photographs of the body and of the scene around it. Howie Thompson was a very, very good man. He was a good detective. Um, he taught everybody that was in the detective bureau a lot of things, and he had played, I would have to say, a pretty good part in this investigation as far as photographing the scene, preserving the evidence and other stuff like that. Just about around this time that Jeanette the Palma's body was found, the Westfield Police Department was working on a homicide. That was the list investigation. To make a very, very long story short, um, only a couple miles away from Springfield Township is Westfield. And nine months before Jeanette went missing, there was this accountant by the name of John List, and he lived in this extravagant mansion on uh, Hillside Avenue. Uh, lived with his mother, his wife, and uh, his three teenage kids. And um, what the family didn't know was this guy couldn't hold a job for whatever reason. Um, had a very weird demeanor about him. Uh, kind of a, a, a repressed Christian, very holier than thou. Well, anyway, the bills kept coming and coming, and uh, by November of 71, he was over $10,000 in debt. Uh, what his mother didn't know was that her son had been skimming from her Social Security checks. And when that wasn't covering it anymore, he decided that the, the best possible thing he could do would be to send his family to heaven, as he put it. So, um, on November 7th, 1971, John List took two pistols and shot every member of his family to death and disappeared for the next 18 years. I can tell you that the Westfield Police Department had talked about finding books on that subject in the library of the List House. By the way, those books belonged to the eldest List child, 16-year-old Patricia. Patricia had caused a little bit of controversy at Westfield High School by declaring to several of her peers that she considered herself a witch. There's some debate over how much John List knew about this activity, how much he may have encouraged it or discouraged it. All we know now is Patricia List definitely told several of her friends that she was a practicing witch and supposedly had an altar of some sort in the woods of Westfield. Like Kish said, several of her books on the subject were in fact found in the List home, and one of them was a copy of Harry Weddick's A Treasury of Witchcraft. Once a month, the detectives in Union County would get together, and they would share, if they were honest, the type of crime that 
they were having committed in their communities, or maybe people who were committing crimes or who were arrested, they meant that they might have committed crimes in another town. Kish told me during a later interview that at these Union County detectives meetings, the Westfield detectives were trying to put a satanic spin on the list case from day one. Yeah, well, they tried to pass it off in the very beginning, Westfield did, as a satanic ritual. That was a big thing with the list homicide. Christ, that was all they talked about, was the occult and this and that. Well, I know they found the daughter's books on witchcraft in the house. I mean, it was common knowledge at Westfield High School that Patricia List called herself a witch. So, I mean, that had to have influenced the investigation somewhat, right? Yeah, I mean, because of what you have in your library, that's your, that's your belief. There's something wrong with that philosophy. I mean, I have books that would be in, that have to do with organized crime and some other stuff. Does that mean I'm a monster? So how did we get from the John List case to the Jeanette De Palma case? Well, Ed Kish says the answer to that question lies in those Union County detectives' meetings. And Howie Thompson was asked, was there anything up there to indicate that maybe that the people were involved in the cult, the crosses, the trees, and this and that and things? And Howie Thompson said no. Now I will tell you that somebody that was at that meeting went to the newspaper said, Howie Thompson said that the trees walked across. I will tell you, Howie Thompson was livid. He was upset because it wasn't truthful. And I can remember after going back into the detective and going to these meetings, talking to Howie, and I said, Howie, are you going to say anything at the meeting tonight? Howie said, I'll never say another thing at these meetings after what they did to me with the diploma case. Unfortunately, the damage had been done. Shortly after this meeting, the front pages of all the newspapers in the tri-state area contained headlines that uh, sources within the Union County Prosecutor's Office were now focusing on, quote-unquote, black magic in the death of Jeanette De Palma. Investigation into the death of 16-year-old Jeanette De Palma is focusing on elements of black witchcraft and Satan worship. A review of death scene photos, according to reports, is leading authorities to believe the girl's death may have been in the nature of a sacrifice. Pieces of wood at first thought to be a chance to have a Another person who was there said, I guess if you were looking for signs, they were there. With these sensational dispatches now out in the ether, the residents of Union County began to panic. When Mark and I spoke with the people who were around back then, they candidly told us what they remember hearing about the girl's death. Yeah, I definitely heard about the sacrifice rumors. That was in the paper. I mean, there was like little uh, a stone in the shape of a coffin around her. Well, there were like branches around the body, like a coffin. The talk was that she was found on some kind of an altar with little wooden crosses surrounding her, her body. That was the general talk at the time. Uh, I can't remember. It seems to me that there was uh, some talk about some animal, animal sacrifices that were found near her, too, but I can't positively remember if, I, if that was the talk at the time or I heard that afterwards. So why was it so easy for these kinds of rumors to take flight? 
How come cooler heads didn't prevail? Why didn't the authorities come out and say, hey look, we're not looking at black magic, that's the newspapers. Why was it so easy to believe in modern America that teenage devil worshippers and or witches had kidnapped and sacrificed a young woman? Well, the fact that the De Palma incident and the List murders happened in such close proximity to the Wachung Reservation didn't really help things. Situated only a couple miles away from each crime scene, the Wachung Reservation is a large stretch of woods that is, not to sound straight out of a horror movie, but sacred Indian land. And, for years leading up to these cases, local residents had been finding numerous pieces of evidence suggesting occult activity. Everything from witnessing people in robes in the woods conducting candlelight ceremonies, to finding sacrificed animals. And this wasn't rumor, this was all confirmed in police reports and in newspaper articles. This, this all really happened. I spoke with Lauren Irene, who's a, a resident of Mountainside, which is the town that borders Springfield, and she told me her recollections of the Wachung Reservation. My brother, you know, used to like, go camping up there, and so many times they'd come home in the middle of the night, you know, they would find unusual objects, sort of ritualistic type stuff. I also spoke with Roy Simpson, who grew up in that same area during the same time. Before the incident happened, um, and I know the incident didn't happen directly in the Wachung Reservation, but there was a lot of talk before this happened that there was witches' covens or uh, satanic rituals in the, in the Wachung Reservation. And we heard that rumor for, for a long time before the incident happened. And then after this incident happened, there was all kinds of rumors that that was, was what this was about, that she was found with little crosses around her body. I don't know if that's true or not. I, that's what was the talk of the town. Now, the fact that Jeanette was found in such close proximity to the Wachung Reservation isn't the only factor here. When Weird New Jersey Magazine first started covering this case back in the early 2000s, they spoke with a retired firefighter by the name of Ed Cardinal, who told editors Mark Moran and Mark Skirman that the particular cliff that the remains were found on had been known as the Devil's Teeth for decades. Cardinal told Moran and Skirman that going all the way back to the 1920s, it had this particular moniker. Originally, it had been known simply as the Devil's Skull, based simply on the, the shape of the top of this cliff. In the eyes of the local kids who often wandered in this particular patch of woods, it seemed like a, an upside-down skull, like the interior of the top of a skull. And then as time went on, and the Hudai Construction Materials Company bought the quarry, equipment trucks started dumping waste rock along the ridge of this cliff. Now, the devil's skull had teeth. So, only nine months after witchcraft books are found inside the list home, a missing 16-year-old girl turns up dead on top of a cliff called the Devil's Teeth. Only a few miles away from the infamous Wachung Reservation where Satanists are holding rituals. Was it really that much of a stretch for the locals to believe that there was cult activity involved in this girl's murder? With all of these bizarre occurrences set aside, Ed Kish feels that the people that are looking into this case are missing a very important component. What is the cause of death? If we don't have a cause of death, the only way we're going to be able to say that it's a homicide is someone comes forth and says, I killed her and how. 
There is no way to substantiate her death. And if there's no way to substantiate her death forensically, then how can you have a homicide? Now, while no official cause of death was determined, the Union County Medical Examiner's Office found enough evidence during the autopsy to suggest that Jeanette Palma might have been strangled, and they even released this to the press. But another more interesting detail was found during her postmortem examination. In issue 22 of Weird New Jersey, Mark Moran and Mark Skirman reported that, quote, a tissue sample submitted for toxicological examination proved unsuitable for alcohol analysis, but determined that there was a lead content in the body of 0.694 milligrams. Thanks to several office moves since this issue came out, the source of this information has been lost to time, but Jeanette's family has confirmed that they were told there was a high amount of lead found in the remains. In fact, Jeanette's brother Frank was looking into this discovery in the early 80s and was told by the medical examiner to, quote, back off, there's nothing here. So, how do we explain such a strange finding? There are actually a few different possibilities here. While writing Death on the Devil's Teeth, I spoke with Dr. Cyril Wecht, a leading forensic pathologist. This guy's worked on everything from the Kennedy assassination to the JonBenet Ramsey case. When I told him the circumstances of the situation, he told me, quote, I am not aware of lead being formed post-mortem in a decomposing body. Dr. Wecht then pointed me towards Dr. Randall C. Besselt's Disposition of Toxic Drugs and Chemicals in Man, and in this book there's a study cited where the children of, quote, industrially exposed fathers, end quote, were found to have blood lead concentrations from 0.30 milligrams to 0.80 milligrams. Now remember, Jeanette's was right in the middle there at 0.694. This study said that the occurrence of this lead concentration being found in these children was due to lead dust being carried home on the clothing of parents who were working in the industrial field. Jeanette's father, Salvatore de Palma, worked as an automotive wrecker. Is it possible that he brought lead dust home? I also spoke with Dr. Judy Melanek, a forensic pathologist who helped identify the victims of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Dr. Melanek told me that, quote, the biggest problem is the lead in our soil. One question would be how much soil was in the sample taken from the victim. During the 1970s, a lot of lead got into the soil from lead paint because it was only banned in 1978. This may be a real level and background for contaminated soil in the 70s. So we have the possibility of contaminated tissue, contaminated soil, or contaminated clothing. Over the course of several interviews with Ed Kish, he postulated that this lead level could have come from Jeanette huffing a can of spray paint. But was Jeanette De Palma the kind of person to have done such a thing? We're going to discuss this possibility in the next episode of the Devil's Teeth Podcast. Special thanks to Mark Moran, Mark Skirman, Dan Jones, Mike Acosta, Don Schwert, Ed Kish, Ed Cardinal, Rusty and Christina from Antiquity Echoes, Lauren Irene, Roy Simpson, Dr. Cyril Wecht, Dr. Judy Malinek, and Weird New Jersey's Cult of the Letter Senders.
At T-Mobile, you don't have to choose between a great network and the best prices. We give you both. Switch your family of three or more from AT&T or Verizon to T-Mobile Essentials, and you'll save up to 50% off your current service and smartphones. Bring your current phones to T-Mobile, and we'll pay them off up to $450 each. Visit T-Mobile.com to find out how to save up to 50%. Up to $450 via virtual prepaid card for eligible device payoff. Allow 15 days. Savings may vary. See T-Mobile.com. At T-Mobile, you don't have to choose between a great network and the best prices. We give you both. Switch your family of three or more from AT&T or Verizon to T-Mobile Essentials, and you'll save up to 50% off your current service and smartphones. Bring your current phones to T-Mobile, and we'll pay them off up to $450 each. Visit T-Mobile.com to find out how to save up to 50%. Up to $450 via virtual prepaid card for eligible device payoff. Allow 15 days. Savings may vary. See T-Mobile.com.